Hi, everyone, and welcome to the January 26th, 2024 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. My guest this week is here to talk about and break down the Deloitte Global Automotive Consumer Study. We'll talk about EVs, affordability, the subscription model, and more. All of it when we hear from Deloitte Automotive Research Leader Ryan Robinson on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. Ryan, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Uh, Great to be here, Greg. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you. I'm a data guy, former sports reporter, love numbers, love data. Let's dive in. For those unfamiliar with Deloitte's Global Automotive Consumer Study, why don't you just start by explaining what it is, why it's important, and what it ultimately tells us in the industry? Sure thing, Greg. So, we launched this study uh, back in January 9th, so uh, just a couple of weeks ago um, at uh, CES. This is our chance as Deloitte to uh, explore issues that are important to the, the consumer and probe some uh, issues around mobility, how they're thinking about mobility going forward. We've been doing the study for over 10 years now. This is my eighth time as research director. Um, and you know, it just, it gives us that chance to do a couple of things. So I call it my, our Swiss army knife. Um, it, it, it allows us to continue those conversations that are important with the market and also, you know, to react to some of the emerging issues that are, that are impacting the market going forward. So 26 countries in the study, including Canada, uh, we talked to about a thousand consumers, uh, late last year around, you know, everything under the sun, uh, regarding their mobility. So. Uh, happy to dive into the, the results with you. You said you've been sort of leading this for the last eight years. It's a 10-year study. Did anything jump out of you or surprise you this year compared to previous years? Well, I mean, the first thing, the elephant in the room is obviously EV adoption, right? right. And we've seen, you know, the headlines uh, certainly in the last few months of last year talking about how uh, momentum towards EVs is starting to cool. That's actually coming through in, in our data. So the last few years when we've asked uh, a relatively simple question in the study, we, we asked consumers what type of engine they'd most prefer in their next vehicle. And just to give you some of that data, right? So right now we've got about 47% of Canadians telling us that they would much rather stay with a, a gasoline or diesel. So a proxy for uh, internal combustion engine vehicle going forward. And that's essentially flat on a year over year basis. So when we consider some of the stakes in the sand from a regulatory standpoint that are trying to move us towards an electrified future, you know, that was a bit of a hockey stick in terms of our expectations of where that adoption needs to go between now and 2035 anyway. And when you see data like ours that looks essentially flat on a year over year basis, it just, you know, ratchets up the expectations for the slope of that that hockey stick that we're we're needing to expect if we're going to hit those marks that uh, that we need to do from a decarbonization standpoint. So a few months ago in Toronto at one of our events at Automotive News Canada, Bev Goodman, head of Ford Canada, said essentially we're out of early adopters. Is that what these numbers suggest to you? Look, you know, it, it's definitely, uh, you know, the, the EV adoption was targeted towards those early adopters, more premium segment customers willing to pay a premium price to get access to this technology. And right now, you know, the other elephant in the room has got to be affordability because, you know, just to give you a little bit more flavor from some of the results in the study, we look at it from two perspectives. One, 
you know, what is uh, what are consumers expecting to pay for their next vehicle from a transaction overall transaction price standpoint? And then how do they boil that down into their expectations for monthly payment? And we start to see this kind of, you know, Grand Canyon opening up between consumer expectations and the reality of market conditions when they actually get back into market looking for a vehicle. So right now we've got about 72% of Canadians telling us that they're expecting to pay less than 50 grand for their next vehicle. And when we consider where average transaction prices are right now, we're already in that ballpark there or thereabouts. Yeah. And so I was just going to say, I think for the first time in 2023, the first time ever, we actually broached the $50,000 plateau for average vehicle price. Did we not? Exactly. Right. And when you boil it down to what really is important to consumers in, in terms of monthly payment, it actually arguably gets even worse. Right. So we've got about 84% of v, of new vehicle intenders that are expecting to pay less than 750 bucks a month. If you look at just the, the new vehicle intenders um, and you say, well, what's their expectation for paying less than 500 bucks a month? And it's still about 63%. So getting on two thirds of Canadians um, are arguably out of touch right now because, you know, our friends at JD Power are, are saying, you know, uh, monthly payments are somewhere between, you know, 800 and, you know, the high 800s for, for a loan payment. So at, you know, a considerable number of consumers telling us they're expecting to pay less than 500 or even 750. You know, we're talking about, you know, two different issues at the moment. And, you know, that's causing a lot of sticker shock for consumers when when they're coming back to market. Now, obviously, you know, we're expecting interest rates to start to come down probably in the second half of the year, which is going to help from a monthly payment standpoint. But, you know, expensive vehicles and when we're talking about EVs and asking people to pay a premium on top of that, it's uh, it's a pretty big issue for the, the industry to 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 tackle forward is there anything in the market that can come in around those expectations i mean i'm always in the market looking i need to replace my minivan i'm a family of five but i can't find anything that falls in those realms that you just described a monthly payment of 500 of less than 750 of less than 50 for a transaction price does that even exist anymore in canada Sure. I, you know, there's, there's always going to be the exception to the rule and, and there are pockets of affordability here and there. But, you know, when we think about the fact that, you know, not every OE has, um, has a full lineup of EVs right now. So, you know, we look at it through the lens of if you're, if a consumer's thinking about moving in the direction of an electrified vehicle and they don't see um, a, a viable option for them within the, the brand family of vehicle that they currently drive, then they're looking elsewhere, right? Which is another issue for industry stakeholders to to tackle, right? And right now, our study is telling us that about 43% of consumers are intending to switch not only brands, but switch out of the brand family of vehicle that they currently own. And considering, you know, the laser focus that the industry has had on, you know, optimizing and maximizing uh, consumer loyalty, that that should be a, a you know a, like a big red flag for the industry at the moment. Yeah, I mean, we I wanted to talk about brand loyalty, and yeah, one third of consumers questioning whether they 
need to own their own vehicle. They maybe don't want the brand they have. They're looking for something more affordable. There are a ton of things working against brand loyalty right now. Is there, is this the worst you've seen it where consumers are considering going elsewhere? Yeah, look, uh, you know, it, it is a very concerning data point for the industry to solve for, definitely. Um, and this is one of those times where, you know, the consumer is is reeling still from, you know, the economic pressures that, that we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. You know, in some of the, the, the past uh, recessions, you know, we've had instances where, you know, we've had pressure on, on one aspect of our economy or one aspect of the, the consumer's daily life. This one is is very different in that it's it's impacting consumers across the board, right? It's everything from, you know, the price of big ticket items and related to, you know, home prices and and the the money that they're spending for housing, um, and everything down to you know what they're paying at the grocery store on a daily basis. So, you know, this is one of those times where you know we we really have to think about how we're creating uh, that affordability to bring vehicle prices down into window where, you know, consumers are allowed to sit at that intersection between what they want to drive. Right. We know that over the last 20 years, we've created uh, uh, essentially a light truck market out of the Canadian market. Right. Which kind of structurally drives up pricing. And, you know, we're asking people to make this journey with us to an electrified future, which has a cost associated with that. And, you know, we're just saying that consumers may be hitting that breaking point and saying, look, you know, enough is enough. We, we need to have affordable transportation. So what is the solution? How do you sell more affordable vehicles if they can't be built at a reasonable cost? Because that seems to be the problem is that the supply chain, everything has gotten more expensive. Interest rates are up. That affects everyone who buys anything. Um, how does this turn around? It's and does it? Unfortunately. Unfortunately, it's not an easy fix, right? And it does take time. Um, we think that there's, when we think about EVs and EV adoption, sure, you know, incentives play a role in creating that affordability. But, you know, longer term, you know, there's more of a structural problem that we're dealing with as an industry and in that vehicles are just, you know, they're too complicated uh, and too costly as a result to build. So we, we as an industry, and I'm using that kind of general we, we need to find ways to take complexity out of the manufacturing process. And that's not easy at all. It takes time. It takes a couple of vehicle generations to do that. And, but that's that, unfortunately that's, that, that's the fix. I want to just double back to, to brand loyalty for a minute. Uh, Consumers thinking about switching brands, how concerned should dealers be uh, when they read that, when they hear that Um, because loyalty is such a big thing in the automotive industry it's hard to conquest somebody to bring them over to your brand but now we have people say i can't afford that i'm going down the street How, is that concerning to dealers yeah you know i'm a big fan of dealers um always have been they they do a great job um you know and they they're just out to make money too right so they've sure. they, at the end of the day they've got to buy the vehicles from the manufacturers right right so you know it's it's getting expensive for them uh, floor planning costs are getting expensive. I mean, the whole thing is getting expensive for dealers, right? So, um, I really feel for dealers right now and, you know, creating that affordability sometimes, I mean, the, the first lever that you're going to reach for to pull is to just, you know, try to extend out people's loan or lease terms, right. As a way to create that affordability by amortizing the cost over a greater time period. But there's only, there's only so much that you can, there's only so hard that you can pull on that lever too, right? And, you know, we talk about the chasm of, 
expectations between uh, what's going on in consumers' minds versus the reality of, of some of these situations. Um, you know, we've got more than half of consumers that are uh, telling us they're planning to finance their next vehicle with either a lease or a loan. But, you know, they, the, the market expectations right now for the, the term duration. So right now you've got the majority, vast majority of consumers still thinking that they're going to be able to get a loan for 60 months or less. And when I try to put all of the math together and, and, and do the, the calculations, something's got to break, right? right? So you can't, you can't expect to pay less than 500 bucks or 750 bucks in today's environment. Expect to get a, a loan for less than 60 months or less. You know, back to JD Power, I think they were saying it's over 50% of loans are being written at 84 months or more now. Yes. So, you know, so, something isn't, isn't meshing here, right? So we've got a problem and, and we think this, the industry really has to have some pretty you know, serious conversations about how we, uh, how we address it. You mentioned leasing and I read a story the other day on automotive news, our sibling publication. Uh, and they were saying, I think it was Toyota was saying we need to get leasing back so that we can build brand loyalty again. Does leasing make a return? Maybe. I mean, it's, it's another one of those levers that you can pull to try to create that affordability on a month to month basis. Mm. But Again, you know, it's it's a little bit at odds with what we're trying to do on the EV front. So right now, right. if it's not the most uh, important question that captive finance companies are dealing with, it's one of the top three is where are EV residuals going to land, right? And nobody really knows that because we still need more EVs hitting the secondary market to understand what the residual value is of those vehicles and so on. And so, you know, if if we're saying leasing is the answer, but we are hesitant to jack the residuals up on EVs because we don't know where we're going to land at the end of the day, that that's a big problem, right? So, you know, it's it's it. There's no easy fix to this, I don't think, Greg. Um, one of the things that we all at Automotive News Canada found interesting in this study, the the global automotive consumer study is that buyers are considering subscription services and over the years we've seen subscription services fall by the wayside but now there's folks considering that will that make a return is that an answer to affordability so here's the thing right and we we probed directly the question about subscriptions in the study this year because we we wanted to understand and really challenge this idea that you know from a subscription standpoint We've been there and done that. Mm -hmm. And 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 there are conversations that we're having with with our clients where we're getting that response and we're saying, well, hang on a second, right? So let's try to understand what those subscriptions were like and have been like over the past, call it, you know, five to eight years or a little bit more when some of those experiments were being run. They were the, the underlying premise of of subscriptions at that time was maximum flexibility and convenience for your customer base right so you could drive a sports car through the through the week and then change it to an suv to drag your boat to the right. lake on the weekend the you know it was almost doomed from the beginning because the amount of money that uh that you would have to have to support that kind of flexibility and and overhead is is enormous right so you know it, it's not a surprise that the first uh the first version or evolution of vehicle subscriptions out of the gate didn't work. Now what we're seeing though is 
a new generation of vehicle subscriptions uh, being led by some third-party players, starting in the U.S. But you know, I have to think that they're they're making their way to Canada on mass, you know, in the near future. That really put the customer at the center, and they're really putting affordability at the center, and they're also not painting all customers with the same brush. So. Overall, we're seeing about only about 17% in our study of people being interested, even somewhat interested in moving to a subscription. But that number rises to 26%. So now, now you're not talking about one in five, you're talking about one in four right. people in that 18 to 34 year old camp. So the younger consumer, right, that we all want to gain access to from not, not just a business standpoint, but also a customer loyalty standpoint, right? I mean, that's the the customer cohort that you really want to attach yourself to. And especially younger consumers in densely populated urban markets, you know, like Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver, you know, they're thinking to themselves, okay, I'm very sensitive to the uh, pers- the, the share of wallet that, that mobility represents for me. And maybe there's another option for me to think about uh, in terms of you know only paying for the mobility that I'm using, or being able to bundle costs together like insurance and maintenance um, to get a better monthly payment, something is affordable for me. So I think you know it's it's definitely something to keep in mind and keep in view that maybe just around the corner to offer Canadian consumers um, a bit more uh, choice and flexibility about how they think about mobility. I wanted to end with technology, data, connectivity. Where do all of those things fit in the retailing of cars right now? And and the consumer, what where what are they thinking when it comes to technology and data and connectivity? It's it's def- there's no shortage of interest amongst the Canadian consumer around uh, connected uh, vehicle services, connected vehicle features, right? The pro- there's a there's just a litany of problems though with with that in the sense that one uh, most of the things that they're that they're most interested they already get through their their smartphone being right. able to bring that experience into the vehicle with them um, automakers have you know uh, have had to make deals in the past to allow for for that behavior to happen. So I, I think about the relationship that they that the automakers have with the high tech players as uh, a bit of frenemies, right? Yeah. So they they kind of needed to make those deals, but now when they really when the automakers want to monetize, when they need to monetize those uh, services, it's very difficult to kind of claw that back from the relationship that has been built between the high tech players and their consumer base through those handsets. So you know, there's no level, there's no shortage of interest. The problem is overall, when we ask consumers, are you willing to pay for any of this stuff? Canadians are only telling, only 18% of Canadians are telling us that they're willing to pay for it. So, you know, at a time when shared mobility is starting to make uh, a bit more of a, uh, a presence, their presence known um, in the North American marketplace, obviously, you know, much more well advanced in some Asian markets and the European markets, but we're starting to see that here. And it's causing some concern at the automaker and and captive finance uh, end of things where they're saying, okay, if I can't rely on, you know, consistent year over year gains in vehicle sales to make my money, how do I how do I compensate for that? And part of that is trying to and that's why we're seeing 
all of the the effort to try to monetize those connected services, some of which are hitting, uh, some of which are, you know, uh, are hitting the mark, some of which are not. But overall, it's going to be a real challenge for uh, for automakers and stakeholders in general to really, um, you know, convince consumers that there's a value proposition behind this. We have to also, Greg, I'll end on this. We have to also remember that as an industry, we've spent decades training the consumer to just expect a lot of these features, whether they're physical or digital features, to just, you know, be introduced to the marketplace as a way for brands to differentiate themselves in the market. Right. right? Yeah. So to, to change that very fundamental behavior that we as an industry, um, you know, supported and encouraged is going to be a real hill to climb going forward. Ryan, terrific stuff. Uh, great conversation. Tons of data. We're going to link to the report. People can see it on our website when they listen to the podcast there. Appreciate this. Awesome. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. I'd like to thank Ryan for being my guest this week. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.